0: Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for coming today. I'm Laura Odato, the Director of Government Affairs for the Cato Institute, and today we're going to be talking about free trade. Bill Watson, one of our panelists today, recently published this paper called Free Trade, Free Markets, Rating the 112th Congress. And in it, we noted that Senator Flake was among the best free traders in Congress, so we're very pleased to have him here to make a few remarks this afternoon. And after that, Bill will be speaking a little bit more about the methodology in the paper and exactly how we do this and speaking about the database that Cato keeps about free trade votes for members of Congress going back, I think, 15 years. Um, I'm gonna briefly introduce our speakers and then turn things over to Senator Flake. Senator Flake was elected to the Senate in November 2012 after serving in the House of Representatives from 2001 to 2013. He was educated at Brigham Young University and was a Mormon missionary to South Africa in the early 1980s. Senator Flake worked in the public affairs sector after college and served as the executive director of the Foundation for Democracy in Namibia and the executive director of the Goldwater Institute before entering the House of Representatives. Cato's Bill Watson is a trade policy analyst at the Herbert A. Stiefel Center for Trade Policy Studies. Bill's research focuses on the U.S. trade remedy policies, disguised protectionism, and the institutional aspects of global trade liberalization. He also manages free trade, free markets, rating the Congress, Cato's online database that I mentioned earlier. And with that, I will turn the podium over to Senator Flake.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate being here and really appreciate the good work that, that Cato does. Um, and thanks for being right here close to my office. I finally, after six months in the Senate, got my permanent or semi-permanent, whatever you call it, office. They move very slowly in the Senate. The House manages to move, on the average, uh, 225 members every two years To as they move around office space. They do that in three days. All the houses moves. The Senate moves probably 20, 25 every two years, and it takes them eight, nine months or longer, and I'm told that that's a shortened period from before. So everything moves slowly in the Senate. It's usually a good thing. Gridlock, for those of us who believe in limited government, is usually a blessed you know, event. And so we don't complain that much when the Senate moves rather slowly. But uh, I, I am pleased to be here and uh, and look forward to reading uh, the paper that Cato is putting out. I can say, with all honesty and without a hint of uh, prejudice, stemming for the fact that I fare pretty well in these studies that I'm glad you've come up up with with another. Um, i uh, I can say that uh, in the House and the Senate, uh, sometimes it's a bit lonely being on the free trade side. I just spent you may have read I uh, just spent. A week on a deserted island in the Pacific uh, with my two youngest kids. I did that four years ago without my kids, just completely alone. Picked an island on Google Earth. Uh, found a way to get there and uh, and had a fishing boat drop me off and pick me up a week later. It's a wonderful experience, if you will. It's a it's a great diet too, with no food, <laughs> anything, uh, kind of a coconut crab and fish, and that gets a little tiresome after a week, but you feel, after a week of that, uh, uh, a bit lonely. Um, I didn't have a volleyball to talk to, like a certain, <laughs> certain uh, movie actor, but, so I numbered hermit crabs with a marker pen and to see which ones would reoccur and come back and visit me. But it was an interesting experience, but it's not unlike uh, some of the positions you have to take in Congress in the House or the Senate that are a bit lonely, and free trade is, is one of those. Um, in... in uh, Putting together this 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 study, I'm sure it's difficult sometimes with the Senate because the Senate doesn't take very many votes. Some years uh, during the last Congress, in particular, I don't know how you managed to put anything together because uh, the Senate voted so infrequently. We have a few more votes this year, and hopefully, you'll be able to uh, going forward have a little uh, a little easier time putting that together. But I, I want to, uh, and I'm sure we all thank Cato for being a consistent. Clear voice for free trade, uh, for trade liberalization, and for efforts to retru- reduce trade barriers. And why shouldn't they? Of course, uh, free trade expands economic freedom. It spurs competition. It raises the productive, uh, uh, the, it raises productivity. It facilitates job creation. Increases the standard of living for countries that embrace it. And given our economic situation, I am reminded of a uh, current uh, former congressman, Cal Dooley. He used to. Uh, When we talked about farm subsidies and why we we should reduce them and and why uh, we ought to expand, in particular, our growth markets, he said, look around, look at uh, shopping in grocery stores here and everybody leaving uh, the store with a a basket or a a cart full of uh, produce, uh, farm produce. How much more can we sell uh, to the American consumer? Uh, probably not much. Uh, if we're going to have growth, it's going to be from our export markets. And, uh, and it's been good for us. Uh, agricultural exports hit a record $145 billion last year. Uh, they remain a vibrant, uh, bright spot in a rather bleak economic picture. Um, but we're kidding ourselves if uh, we think that all members have to do is to cast the right vote for a free trade agreement. That's important. Um, I think it's critical that members work and support the often drawn-out negotiations that ultimately lead to an opportunity to cast a vote in favor of approving uh, a new partnership or relationship that allows free trade to expand. However, uh, just as importantly, we need to protect uh, those areas uh, where we have gained ground and to foster the potential for countries to want to enter into future agreements with the U.S., uh, by ensuring that we honor the international trade obligations that we've entered into. Uh, being pro-free trade means that we're willing to, one, push back uh, on those who have never seen a farm subsidy program that is big enough. Uh, two, we need to hold the line on agreements uh, that make it politically challenging, uh, like cross-border trucking in NAFTA. I can tell you in the House of Representatives, uh, more than once, I was either the single vote or there were two of us uh, voting to honor the agreement that we had made uh, in NAFTA to allow cross-border trucking. It wasn't a popular thing to do. And sometimes the votes on amendments to strike that provision uh, were 431 to one or two. And so it's difficult, but we've got to stand up and honor the free trade agreements that we've made, even when it's politically difficult. And then we need to find ways to sensibly resolve issues uh, that have, where we've been found to be in the wrong, where we have violated free trade agreements like the Brazilian cotton case. Uh, for those who are familiar with that one, when early back in 2002, I believe, when we renegotiated the last big renegotiation of the Farm Bill, there were many of us who said that if we go forward with these subsidies, particularly in the cotton area, uh, we will surely violate... Uh, our, our agreements in the World Trade Organization, uh, and Brazil will sue, and they did, and they won. And so our reaction, uh, you would think that our, our reaction should be, all right, let's reduce our cotton subsidies. No, the reaction was, let's subsidize Brazilian cotton too. And so for the past three years, uh, we've been paying about 150 million dollars a year to Brazil uh, to keep them from suing or pursuing their case in the WTO. Um, overall I think uh, we'll end up spending about 700 billion or 700 million dollars overall just to keep Brazil from pursuing that case, uh, we're up to about 500 million so far. if, if, if that doesn't just uh, you know speak volumes about the problems with our subsidies, particularly our farm subsidies, uh, then nothing will. I, I, I was thinking the other day of those uh, old cotton commercials uh, with Aaron Neville singing, you know, the touch, the feel, the fabric of our lives. I won't try to do it, but I thought, to, you know, if I hear that in Portuguese, I'm really going to lose it here. Uh, We've we, we just got to get away from, from these self-defeating uh, subsidies. Uh, but frankly, with the farm bill that we just passed out of the Senate, uh, we didn't address that issue. We have no way really to address it right now. And, uh, and we've got to, for the future, we've got to find a better way. In my opinion, uh, a way out of the woods uh, on that issue um, is uh, just as influential in the long term as casting a, a vote for free trade. Like I said, it's important to support free trade agreements, but it's also important to make sure that uh, our policies aren't inhibiting free trade Lastly, I've uh, long said that election year politics and opportunistic saber-rattling, uh, it, uh, it's, it's all too easy when we get close to November, um, but it makes for less desirable trade policy. In an election year, it's more difficult, let's face it, uh, to move a free trade agenda, uh, because when you get closer to election time, electoral politics usually point in the other direction. It's critical that those supporting free trade agendas uh, remain a persistent voice, urging Congress and the administration uh, to avoid allowing political calculation and pandering to protectionists to jeopardize uh, our export markets abroad. In closing uh, with the upcoming discussion on trade promotion authority and a number of expiring free trade agreements, as well uh, as the start of the EU trade negotiation and the ongoing Trans-Pacific Partnership Talks, it's likely that trade will continue to be a part of the congressional dialogue. I just want to say in closing, uh, thank you to Cato for your good work in this area. Uh, thank you for, for laying the groundwork for free trade agreements to be, to be uh, uh, negotiated and, and also to work on our subsidy issues so that we don't have any barriers to free trade. Uh, thank you for all you do. Thank you for having me here, and I look forward to uh, hearing Mr. Watson.
2: Thank you and, and thank you uh, to Senator Flake for the work that you do. Uh, it is um, the people in Congress uh, that have the courage to, to vote the right way and vote principles sometimes when it's difficult that uh, really make uh, my job worth doing. Um, I think that um, you know Senator Flake really did a very good job of making the what I would call the economic case for free trade that um, that when we do not interfere in markets, we see more growth, we see more jobs, uh, we see an increased quality of life. But there is also what I think uh, sometimes gets left out, and that is the moral case for free trade, that uh, when you interfere with the market, you pick winners and losers. You pick winners who don't deserve to win and losers who don't deserve to lose. And this happens every single time. And the mentality of a free trader is somebody who recognizes that there is not some other goal which trumps the, the wrongness of, of engaging in these kinds of unjust interferences. The, um, Unfortunately, while... Uh, free traders can think of trade on a a spectrum uh, just um, with protectionism on one end and free trade on the other, that any kind of interference in the market is, is problematic. A lot of other people just don't see trade policy that way. And we find that when you want to evaluate how members of Congress approach trade policy, it makes a lot of sense to distinguish between barriers and subsidies. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people in Congress who are opposed to barriers, they see that as an impediment to free trade, but are quite willing to subsidize. Um, So what we have done at Cato is develop a two-dimensional matrix as a way to gauge trade policy. Now, you may have it in front of you. Um, So we end up with a square, and there are four corners. And in one corner is free traders. There's people who oppose subsidies and oppose barriers. And in the opposite corner, we have what we call interventionists, uh, people who want to make sure that uh, we, we spend a lot of money trying to get things out of the country and that we don't ever benefit from bringing anything in. Um, but uh, there are two other categories uh, for people that see the, see the issue a little bit differently. Um, fortunately, there aren't a whole lot of isolationists in Congress these days. Uh, people who understand the danger of subsidies, who are uh, pro-free market here at home, and are still willing to interfere with transactions um, abroad. They don't want Americans to be able to engage in commerce abroad, um, so they just, they just kind of hate trade altogether. Uh, they don't want to support it. They don't want to oppose it, or they do oppose it. Um, it's a, it, fortunately, it's a, it's, a, it's a rare category uh, these days, but I think it's going to come back uh, unless, I, unless I can stop it. Um, the much, much more common, and indeed the most common category today in Congress is what we call internationalists, uh, people who support reducing barriers, vote in favor of free trade agreements. Uh, they, they understand the value of opening up the U.S. economy, but then are still willing to to boost certain economic activity. They they would use the power of the treasury to pick winners in that way. And it is is distortive, uh, just in the same way that barriers are distortive. Barriers, uh, in a way, are directly pick losers. If you want to engage in this activity, uh, you know, sorry, we're going to impede that. Um, And then there's a an indirect effect that is the winner, the second best choice. Uh, that is who, who is pushing for the barrier. Uh, the subsidies is kind of reversed. You, you pick the winner, you decide who, which transactions you're gonna support, and then the transaction that would've occurred otherwise is the loser. Um, the, um, let's, uh, let me talk a little bit about what votes occurred in the 112th Congress, what opportunities there were for free traders, um, to, to improve our lot uh, and, and what kind of temptations there were. Um, really quickly, uh, there, were, there were three free trade agreements that the 112th Congress voted on. Uh, these are good. They reduce trade barriers. Um, they do it in a, an imperfect way. It's a little... Um, I, I'd love to see us lower barriers without, without going through all this mess. Uh, but I, I, I think it's a, it's a great policy tool uh, I, I hope we see more of it. Um, unfortunately, uh, the free trade agreements that were passed by the 112th Congress were actually signed in 2006, and it took, uh, it took about five years uh, just to get them to the floor. Um, there were, um, as uh, Senator Flake mentioned, it was an election year, and so there were some votes against China. Uh, there was a lot of talk about uh, the, the Chinese economic menace and what we're going to do about it. And so, thankfully, there, were, there actually wasn't as much uh, movement as there could have been, uh, but there was a vote in the Senate um, to uh, impose tariffs on goods from China, uh, in the hopes that it would cause China to change its monetary policy. Um, China's monetary policy is bad for the people of China. Uh, imposing tariffs on imports is bad for the people of the United States. Uh, it's kind of a lose-lose there if you if you go about it that way. Um, there was a uh, a vote. Uh, to extend permanent normal trade relations to Russia because Russia joined the WTO. Uh, this was an easy one; it passed with flying colors. For some reason, it took Congress, uh, I think because it was an election year, um, all year to do it. Uh, they had a long time to see it coming, and then it passed in the lame duck, ninety-two to four in the Senate. Um, Congress voted to extend the uh, uh, charter of the XM Bank. Uh, the XM Bank is a, a wonderful example of how subsidies work. Uh, it's a it's a uh, Subsidized finance uh, where the public takes all of the risk and the private parties get all of the gain. It the, um, does an excellent job of picking winners and losers. Uh, interestingly enough, one of the uh, main opponents of the XM Bank this time around was Delta Airlines uh, because uh, Exim subsidizes financing for foreign airlines to buy planes from Boeing. Uh, so that makes it harder for Delta to buy planes from Boeing at a competitive rate. Um, and of course, there were uh, there was the Farm Bill uh, last year in the Senate. And, and, and again this year. So we're, 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 we've already seen a repeat of that this year with votes on the sugar program uh, and then votes on the Farm Bill at large, which uh, contain other, other wonderful programs like, like the cotton subsidies. Uh, if you ever wonder where your tax dollars go to, uh, how much money you pay in taxes and where does it go, uh, you know, how many people's taxes does it take to send $157 million to Brazil? The, um, it's kind of impressive. So let me, let me get to what I think is the best part, and that is where we get to name names. Um, I don't think that, uh, luckily, in the 112th Congress, being a free trader uh, was not as lonely as being on a desert island. Uh, there were um, actually 19 free traders in the Senate uh, and 85 in the House. Now, to be fair, the House of Representatives only had one subsidy vote, uh, so if you voted the right way on subsidies, uh, you, you you ended up you know being pushed into the free trader category. Um, I, I want to give all those people credit, but um, but I think some of them would have would have slipped off uh, if the farm bill had come around. Um, but uh, let me let me go ahead and and just list off from last from last term the senators the 19 senators who were free traders. They are um, Kelly Ayotte, John Boozman. Tom Coburn, Bob Corker, John Cornyn, Jim DeMint, Lindsey Graham, Chuck Grassley, Orrin Hatch, Dean Heller, Jim Inhofe, Mike Lee, John McCain, Mitch McConnell, Rand Paul, Rob Portman, Jeff Sessions, and Pat Toomey. And 11 of those 19 uh, voted for the free trade position every single time, uh, which is um, just very exciting. Now, in the other categories, I think it's worth pointing out that while there were 19 free traders in the Senate, there were, let me get the numbers exactly right, there were 29 internationalists, seven interventionists, and two isolationists. Um, um, Interestingly, the two isolationists in the Senate were um, Jack Reed and Sheldon Whitehouse from Rhode Island, um, who they they get the isolationist distinction for uh, being from Rhode Island. They voted against the farm bill, uh, so they um, so they opposed subsidies, um, and they uh, they supported all the barriers because they didn't vote for the free trade agreements. Uh, in the House, there was one isolationist uh, last term. It was Walter Jones from North Carolina, um, and he he is part of a a, a tradition that is that is uh, still. Sitting around, there used to be more Republican congressmen um, back in the day uh, who were just just weary of foreign engagement, uh, and they were they were free market savvy. They understood uh, that the, the subsidies were distorted, but they they were just very concerned about any kind of international trade. So, uh, luckily, these people are are on their way out. Um, <laughs> the um, I'd like to take just one minute to talk about the internationalist category. It is very, is very popular. It is, it is where the Congress is going in terms of successful votes. Uh, it's, it's, those are the policies that are being passed. Uh, free trade agreements, they, they open up borders, but they're uh, reciprocal, right? So we want to open up borders abroad, too. That, that ma- matches with the free trade position, Right? but it is not necessarily the number one free trade policy. Uh, the f- free traders are, are okay with unilateral liberalization because barriers to trade are bad. They're bad. Um, there isn't a good reason to have them. Uh, so, so we're seeing free trade, this is good, uh, but we're also seeing lots of subsidies. So the Farm Bill is coming up, uh, Ex-Im Bank. Um, there, there, was, there was no subsidy that didn't pass uh, through Congress this time. Um, it is a bipartisan category, uh, it is, it is um, something that you see Republicans and Democrats doing together. Uh, so um, let me uh, let me end on that note, and uh, we can maybe take some questions. Thank you.